Okay, so um, I'm excited for tonight because there's someone uh, with us that y'all know very well. It is Blaise Langen. <laughs> Um, every once in a while, uh, I, I rope him in to uh, do a midweek with me. Actually, you, you really wanted to do this one, so yes. Um, but thanks for doing this with me. <laughs> and it's been a totally different topic every single time that you've joined us, so you're just a person of many talents. So there you go. Um, but I hope those questions got us thinking because we don't always... Um, I don't think we always think well or critically about our callings, okay? And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Um, and I think Blaze has a really good view on these things. And it's something that you've been thinking about a lot over the last, like, mm-hmm. year or two, right? Yeah. I think especially we've had a lot of conversations around calling um, over the last couple years. And so um, we'll just jump straight in. But now we don't do this every week, but since y'all know Blaze well, <laughs> um, as you have questions as we go, just raise your hand and we'll, we'll do that. We won't save that for the end. Okay, so if um, you have a comment or a question with what we're talking about, just go ahead and share it because um, y'all know Blaze well. Now for our big one on November 15th, poor Scott McKnight might not know what he's getting himself into. Okay, so we might save Q&A for the end, but, um, but you, you know the drill here. So, um, okay. So part of what we're talking about tonight is when we, when someone like me who's ordained, right? When I say, you know, I experienced a call to ministry. I, what I mean is I experienced a call to be a pastor, right? And so I went to seminary and I did all these things. Then I got ordained, right? And so when we talk about being called to ministry, that's normally what we mean, right? That this pastor, like Pastor Chris, was called to ministry, so he did what it took to do that, right? But we know, and like that first discussion question brought up, we know that the scripture says everyone is called to ministry, right? And so that means that most of us are called to laity or to be church members rather than pastors, right? Just by proportionally, right? Most people are called to be lay members, right? Church members as opposed to church staff. So, If we're all called to ministry, but most of us are called to laity, then we should probably think critically about what that means to be called to laity, right? But I don't think we really think critically about that very much. So we're going to go ahead and get started um, because I think Blaze has a lot to say on this. So um, you specifically have a call to laity. Mm. Um, So how did you hear that call to laity? And when I say laity, right, just hear church member as opposed to pastor. Um, And why is it helpful to describe it this way as I'm called to laity rather than, well, I'm not called to ministry. Yeah, I think, right. So let's define terms here, right? We're going to use the word lay and laity a whole lot here. L-A-I-T-Y, laity. (laughs) And lay is the adjective form here. L-A-Y, right? (laughs) So that we're all on the same page. And that just means not called to be a pastor or occupational ministry occupational ministry and we're going to use the term clergy there to kind of do pastors priests bishops everybody falls into that clergy sort of role um so i think for me it kind of starts with the story so for me i didn't grow up going to church until um i kind of forced my parents to go to church um, and became a Christian very young, but um, was one of the first Christians in in my house. Um, And so sort of was responsible for leading the charge in my family towards Christianity, which is a unique position for an (laughs) eight-year-old. And so I think um, from that position, it became very natural to feel a call to ministry. Um, and so when I would go to church camp or when I would go to all sorts of things, I would, I would think like, okay, I, all, all I know is that I want to be the best Christian that I can be, <laughs> right? And the best Christians become pastors. So is that more of a competitive thing than like a... It's, it's exactly a competitive okay. <laughs> thing. So I got to be the best. Okay. So I got to be a clergy member, because that's how we become the best Christian. Um, that's bad news for me, because I'm not <laughs> the best Christian. And so I think that over and over I would say that I was called to ministry throughout my childhood, um, because I felt like that was 
the best thing for a Christian to do was to become part of the clergy. And so, but then in college, I started to feel this different feeling, which was that doing ministry as my vocation, as my job, was not what I was um, called to do. And instead, um, I was called to something else. And so I, I think the way you put that is like not phrasing it as not called to ministry is good. Mm-hmm. So we should say a call to laity, not I'm not called to ministry. Mm-hmm. It's not a negative, it's a positive. Yeah. So I think for me, that call to laity came in two different forms. One, it came uh, in a call to be a physician. And like that's a different different job title and being a physician full-time precludes me from being a pastor full-time. So that put that to a full stop. Um, and, but that, that calling came in late undergrad and in, into med school. Um, but over the past couple of years, I think I've felt a call to laity with my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, meaning that I am called to be a church member. And viewing that church membership as a calling, not something that just happens. You know, this is a calling that the Lord has put on my life is to be a member of First Baptist Church San Antonio. Yeah, to a specific church, right? And Correct. that specific place might change throughout life, but right. generally to be a church member, but also specifically right now to FBCSA. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um. So, okay, so that being said, right, if we should stop saying, well, I'm not called to ministry, so, you know, and kind of throwing up our hands, right, to say, well, I guess the pastors will figure that out because I'm not called to ministry, <laughs> right, which don't do that. Um, Although so, it does make things easy. It does for yeah. y'all. <laughs> but um, what does a call to laity look like then? Or how do we discern a calling to laity? So I'm, I'm going to politician you. And I'm, I'm going to answer your question with the question. Fine. So if you're asking me what a call to laity means, or what did a call, my call to laity look like, you have to share what your call to ministry looked like. Okay. Because if we're saying they're very similar things, just different flavors of the same thing. Yeah. So what did your call to ministry look like? Um, in high school, I was praying and felt the Lord very clearly show me that well, it was really that nothing else made sense to me. Okay, we're going to pause right there, okay. and we're going to come back to this. Not just because I was bad at math and science and <laughs> most other things, <laughs> but also ministry was the only thing that sounded like it made sense. So I think that's, the way you said that was good. Thanks. You said, well, I was praying, and this came out of that. Mm-hmm. So that's what the call to laity looks like. We should all pray about what our lives should look like. And I don't think we think of it as praying for a call to laity or clergyship very often. But when, you, when we pray about what our life should look like, that is what we're doing. We're praying about our call to laity. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just don't phrase it like that. Yeah. And then you said it was the only thing that made sense, mm-hmm. um, which honestly I had never heard that from you before. Oh. There you go. So there you go. Laity was the only thing that made sense to me. And I think as I look around this room, I think most of us would say, yeah, laity was the only thing that made sense to us. <laughs> that being a clergy member was not something that ever made sense to us. Um, and I think if that's good enough of a reason to say that's a call to ministry, that's also a good enough reason to say that's my call to laity. Mm-hmm. So that nothing else made sense. I've prayed about it. I've thought about it. I'm not, uh, I'm called to the laity rather than the clergyship. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the other thing that I wanted to talk about here was that um, we have examples of what good laity looks like in scripture. Um, and so the first person that came to my mind in scripture of a good lay person is Zacchaeus. Right? Zacchaeus is very obviously not a clergy person. He's a tax collector. But we see God work in his life to say, 
I am now a part of your life. And what does Zacchaeus do? Does he stop being a tax collector? No. But he becomes a different kind of tax collector. And so in the same way where I think all of us in this room are old enough to where we have met clergy members who are doing clergyness poorly, right? There can be the same thing in laity. We have all met future paramedics who are living their lives well and future paramedics that are not. We've all met Zacchaeus pre-Christ and post-Christ. And so the call to laity is to live as Zacchaeus post his interaction with Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, the other person that came to my mind that is like always like right behind Zacchaeus is the rich young, ru- young ruler. Um, the rich young u- ruler is obviously not a clergy member. We only know like three things about him, and one of them is his occupation, and that is ruler. Um, <laughs> and that he was rich and that he was young. Right. Yeah, I know three <laughs> things about this man. Um, And so we don't see the end of the story there, but we do see the way that God impacts his life. And I think every time we see Christ impact somebody who is part of the laity, we see them walk away with a different viewpoint on their career. And they're called to do their career in a different way than other people in their career path are meant to do it. So the big point here, you know, talk to you in a second, is if you look exactly the same in your job as the non-Christian does besides you, don't know about that. <laughs> don't know about that. Yeah. I, think, I think that's kind of pre-Christ Zacchaeus showing his face instead of post-Christ Zacchaeus. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. Uh, I was going to ask you another question, so I'll ask that one first. <laughs> I'll ask a follow-up question. Right, first question, um, Mm, yeah. yeah, sure. And as I look at them, I guess, as you're talking to they were serving Christ. Exactly. And they weren't necessarily doing it well. Mm. Right. Christ came in and said, let's do this. Mm-hmm. Um, mm, that's other, good. But my follow-up question to like your last statement was, um, when you say if you're doing your, if you're living your life or working the same way as the person next to you, who's not a Christian, um, how do you measure that? Because I feel like mm, that's, that's good I've, I personally have made some really silly decisions mm. trying to be different. Mm. Sure. It wasn't mm-hmm. necessarily what God was calling me to. Yeah, so that's good. Mm. If the, it's, I, I know the importance of, of being different, but sometimes we don't know how different we are in that space. And I think yeah. this is the yeah, difference in a retrospective and a prospective cohort study. Oh my gosh, what? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so I think the way I would talk to that is that I think that's a good alteration of that statement. I think the goal should not be to be different than your coworkers. The goal should be to look more and more like Christ, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. But, that's important to say. And, it's not about looking different. It's about... Right. Which, inevitably, you will be different. Right. And that's where... Okay, that, sorry. Keep so, in, we're, we're not looking at, like, okay, me and my work coworker look very similar right now. Okay, how am I going to be different than them tomorrow in a prospective way? Instead, if you and your coworker look the same, you should be like, well, uh... Let me go look like Jesus even more. And, I mean, we should wake up saying that every day, so that's not a different change, but it's a different perspective. Rather than a retrospective study, like, oh, I have been different than my coworker. That gives me encouragement. Or I have been this similar to my coworker. That gives me encouragement in a different way. Yeah. We should analyze it retrospectively, mm-hmm. not study it prospectively. Yeah. yeah. Which is different than most... Yeah. Medical studies. <laughs> yeah. No, and that's a good question, Lord, because it's not just about sticking out like a sore thumb, right? Or right. about, because um, when we're all we're focused on is being different than the non-Christians around us, then we're thinking about ourselves more 
than we're thinking about Christ, right? But I think that's an important distinction. Yeah. And I want to point out one other biblical character, which we'll talk a lot about biblical characters here tonight, but I want to point out one and then kind of move on real quick. Another one is Lydia. Um, so Lydia in Acts 16 is, is someone that Paul is looking to as a host for his church. Um, she is not a clergy member, but she is hosting the church. So we can also have that in the back of our head as a good clergy member. We will come back to That's Lydia, good. Lay, I promise. Lay member. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I have three other answers to this question, okay. by the way. I'll allow it. So <laughs> the question again was, what does a calling to lady look like, and how do we discern that calling? So what does good lady look like, Zacchaeus, the rich young ruler, and Lydia? How do we discern that calling? You guys are going to be tired of her and I saying the same thing over and over again here. Because I don't know how many times I'm going to say the Wesleyan quadrilateral, but I'm going to say it a thousand times. (laughs) So there's four, four four things we rely on in order to make decisions. Scripture, church history, the Holy Spirit, and personal experience. If they of all four are pointed in the same direction, then we can always walk with confidence in that direction. Mm-hmm. If those four are pointing in the opposite direction of where we're walking, we need to critically look at where we are <laughs> and turn around. Mm-hmm. When those appear to differ or go in different directions, that's when we continue to analyze. And we look at all four of those sources as, as fuel for our decision-making ability. Yeah. If you're having trouble making a decision, look to scripture, look to church history, which Baptists don't do. We're working on it, okay. <laughs> uh, look to the Holy Spirit and look to your own personal experience or reason is yeah. how Wesley would have um, called it. Okay, yeah. and then I think another thing I wanted to say here is that the word calling, and Laura, you kind of hit on this in our questions, eh, sometimes gets misrepresented or misdefined or it becomes something that it isn't. Um, The word calling is from naming. It's the same as if I said, we're, we're naming this a computer, we're calling this a computer. So a helpful thing for me when I'm discerning my calling is who was I named to be? It, it, it seems to go deeper and broader than a calling. Because we tend, like Laura, you were saying, we tend to synonymize calling and vocation. When, if we're saying naming, I don't think many people would confuse naming with occupation. Mm. But those are the same word. Calling and naming are the same flavor. Um, and then the other way I've heard calling expressed before, and I think this is a little bit surface level, but is good and a good place to start if you're like, I have no idea what my calling is, my naming is, is what are you talented in? What are you interested in? And how can you serve the Lord with those two things together? Mm-hmm. That's how I got described it when I was early on. Yeah. Yeah. So what is it? look like to live a calling to laity well or like what is included in if you're called to laity what i know as a call to ministry i can kind of list some things that that means right what does a call to laity include i think you a call to laity involves looking at your time critically so i think it's easy to look at a call to laity as far as we go in the church right so like I, it's easy for me to be a lay member in church mm-hmm. because I'm not up on stage <laughs> and I'm not leading worship and I'm not doing all those things. It's very easy for me to be a lay member in church. We'll talk more about what that a, at a higher calling of laity in church looks like. But then I also think looking at having a critical eye on our occupation. So calling is not synonymous with occupation, but occupation takes up so much of our time, God can't have nothing to say about that. Mm -hmm. 
right? It can't be, oh, well, it's, it's just... It's just a job. It's just this. That would be like saying, like, well, it's just the daytime. <laughs> like, that's not a, that's not a excuse for God not to have something to say about that time. God has something to say about the daytime. God has something to say about your job. So we have to look critically at what we're doing for our occupation as part of that call to laity. But then we have to look at what we're doing on the outside of our job and inside the church. Um, and I think the way we look at that the most critically is the spiritual gifts. So I don't know, how many of you guys were at the Prinzings for the spiritual gifts assessment? Okay. A few of us, right? Yeah. Um, it is very good. I mean, you do not have to take a test in order to know your spiritual gifts, but man, is it not helpful sometimes, <laughs> you know, just to like see something on a paper and like be able to say, hmm you know what, that does seem right. Or, oh, I don't know about that. Maybe that didn't get me exactly right, but I'll throw that away and keep these other things. But looking through the spiritual gifts and seeing how we can use them in the church and seeing how we can use them in our jobs. So um, I think many of us in this room, like I'm looking around at people and seeing like your spiritual gifts and we can use those in multiple ways. Um, so I think... The biggest thing is whatever you do, do it for the Lord. And I mean, that's a simple thing to say and something that's repeated in scripture. So it's obviously good. Mm -hmm. But if you are a person working in finance, there are ways that the church can use you in your financial capabilities for the church. Yeah. If you are a teacher, the church needs teachers. Mm -hmm. If you are a media person, the church needs media people. If you are a musician, if you are medical, if you are whatever, the church needs you to use your gifts for them. And I had a pastor a while ago say, whatever you do, give it away for free sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I mean, I can, John and I obviously have, like, a common bond here. Like, you and I need to be giving away our medical knowledge for free sometimes for the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so, like... We need to be doing free clinics. We need to be helping people. We need to be doing those sorts of things. Danya is a teacher, and she gives it away for free <laughs> on some Sundays, you know? Yeah. Um, and you have gifts in that area, and you've been trained in that area in ways that others haven't been. Mm -hmm. And you, you do that well and give that away for free. Um, and then I think the other way we, what else is included in a calling um, is tithing. Mm. We have to tithe. It, it's just like, it's really hard for um, pastors to get up on stage and be like, you should tithe. So I feel responsible as a lay person to encourage other lay people, like, <laughs> dude, we should be tithing. <laughs> and if you're you, not, we do hate that's it. bad. <laughs> so do it. <laughs> well, and that's important, right? Because that's um, historically, right? I mean, we tithe as a household, but. Um, the point being that the folks out in the world, right, bring that treasure into the church to support right. the work of the church, right? Yeah. Um, and this is important because I want us to, we're going to get more into this in a second, but um, I wanted to have this conversation because I think a lot of us can passively do church. Yes. Right? Okay, so we can show up on a Sunday, we can even show up on a Wednesday, um, or even sing in the choir, or whatever that means, but be passive about it, right? And... Actually, at staff meeting yesterday, um, is it okay if I go into this? Yeah. Okay. Um, at staff meeting yesterday, we, we, now this happens all the time and I'm going to keep it anonymous, but no one in this room would know this person anyway, but um, there's someone who's been visiting the church for a while um, and they decided that there was something that um, they were not happy with and so they shot off an email to several of the staff members and they said... I haven't seen First Baptist, you know, and I'm not going to, it's going to open a whole can of worms if I give all the details, but basically he was saying, I am very passionate about this thing, and I haven't seen First Baptist do what I feel like they should do about this issue, and if you, if you don't start standing up and doing what I think you should do, then I'm going to leave the church, okay, and y'all, we get these emails all the time, <laughs> but not, not just First Baptist, but people have strong opinions that they like to share via email. Okay, so, so we get this email. And so in staff meeting, Chris was like, let's talk about this. 
right? Because first of all, we need to know how to respond to that. But second of all, there's a few things that came up there, okay? So this person had a view of what he felt like church should be doing, right? He had an idea in his head of, um, I know or I think that church should look like this, and if church doesn't look exactly like that, because it's pretty specific, if church doesn't look exactly like that, then, well, I'm going to go find one that does, right? Now, we, we hear that and we're like, oh, silly man. But a lot of us have thought that we just haven't shot off an email to have the staff about it, okay? So, so I say that as an example because he is a layperson who is called a lady, whether or not he's thought critically about that. And he's not taking that calling seriously. Yeah, see, I think that when you hear that story, now hearing that story, like, your first impression was he has a warped view of what the church is. Mm -hmm. My first thought was, oh, he has a warped view of what church membership is. Yeah, yeah. Because, and this is our different calling, right? Mm -hmm. You're called to clergy, so you're constantly thinking about what should the church look like? Mm -hmm. And I think as people called to laity, there are times where we are asked to give our opinion about what the church should look like. But the majority of the time when we're having that thought, the first thought should not be, oh, the church should be different. The first thought should be, how should I be different? What, how can I be a better member of this church? So I would say to him, like, if you're very passionate about a particular ministry, that sounds like you need to start that ministry. Mm-hmm. Because that's what... Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, it, this is Gandhi. It's like the Gandhi quote. <laughs> this is, be the change you want to see in the world. And so yeah. I, I think if we listened more to Hindu monks, we would do better <laughs> like in Gandhi. the world. <laughs> ah, fire! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that's what... That, it made me so sad because... Right, an email saying, well, I'm going to leave the church unless you do what I think you should do. Mm-hmm. As soon as he gets to another church, something, something different is, is not going to look yeah. what he thinks, the way he thinks it should, right? And it's saying all of the responsibility for what the church does and how it looks is on clergy, right? When most of the people that make up the church are laity. Yep. Now, that doesn't mean you just say... <laughs> I have an idea and I'm going to run with it and not tell anybody about it. And, but what we wished he would have done, because this is an important thing that he suggested, is say, I haven't seen the church do this. Did I miss it? Are we doing it? If we're not doing it, could I lead in this way? Or could I talk to you more about that? Because this is really important to me, right? And I, we, all the time, right? We wish that more people would do that because... That's what it means to be involved, to, to live out your calling to laity well, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's not just passively experiencing church and being upset over what you see, yeah. right? And then, and, and then threatening to leave, right? It's you're actively engaged in the life of the church. Right. And that doesn't mean that you're deciding what songs are sung every Sunday, right? Aaron does that. But mm-hmm. that does mean that you have an active stake in it. Right? We do things like vote a church conference. We, we have committees. We do all these things because you have a stake in what the church looks like. And so we want less people that are just shooting off emails with their opinion and more people saying, this is important to me and I want to help the church be what it's called to be. Mm-hmm. Right? And proportionally, laity make up most of the church. Right? And so, or hopefully, right? hopefully we have more church members than church staff. So... Or else those church members are real good tithers. Yeah, really. And so, yeah, that's true. And so, anyway, I use that as an example because we've been meditating on that this week as a staff. But um, I think that's a picture of what a, misunderst- a, a misunderstanding of the call to lady looks like. Yeah. Um, okay, so we, we've talked about a lot of things. And if y'all have any questions, just go for it. But... Um, there's a thing in the Baptist world that we say a lot, okay, and it's called the priesthood of the believer. Have y'all heard that phrase before? Yeah, most of okay, all of y'all have heard that phrase. So we say the priesthood of the believer a lot, 
basically all of us are priests. We don't need an intermediary to, to meet with God, right? Um, but it means more than that. Okay, so how do you understand as a layperson the priesthood of the believer, and how does that play into your calling to laity? Because if you're a priest, then what's the difference, right? Or, or how does that inform your calling? Um, okay, so I want to come back to the Bible because that's always a good place to come back to. <laughs> so I was reading Exodus the other day, and I ran across some characters. And um, one of those characters' name is Aaron. <laughs> Aaron is part of the clergy, <laughs> conveniently. Yeah. Um, but there's another character in there whose name I don't think you're going to know, named Bezalel. Okay. Rebecca's like, I know Bezalel. Okay. <laughs> she looked very confident. Bezalel <laughs> was uh, the person tasked with um, constructing the garments that Aaron would wear and constructing the things that would be displayed in the tabernacle. Okay. Was Bezalel part of the clergy? Nope. Wasn't part of the tribe of Levi. He was part of the tribe of Dan. No, he was part of the tribe of Judah. We'll talk about Dan in a second. He was part of the tribe of Judah. Okay? Not clergy. So what is, our, what is Exodus trying to tell us about being a layperson? Our job is to build the church or adorn the ministers, hmm. right? So we do that not only with our tithe, right? But with our, well, with our time, we help the ministers do what they're going to do. But importantly, we're building their clothes. We aren't becoming a part of the tribe of Levi, hmm. okay? We're not doing the sacrifices like they did. So... We're not trying to replace the minister. We are being the best sheep we can, <laughs> right? We're being good little sheep. <laughs> that, that just reminds me when we decorate the church. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, that's good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's and good. And that is a call to ministry, is adorning the church. Mm -hmm. um, Hanging over the green is going to be popping this year. Yeah. <laughs> we talked about this. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and the other thing that we see in, so that's in chapter 31 that we see Bezalel in Exodus. In Exodus chapter 35, we're introduced to another character who's from the tribe of Dan, and his name is Aholiab. And anybody get this one? Aholiab, anybody? No. Nope. No? Great. I, Great. I didn't even get that, so. So, <laughs> um, Aholiab is the one from the tribe of Dan. So is he a part of the clergy? No. Aholiab is tasked with teaching the people, teaching them the law, teaching them how to do things. So we see two examples even from the very beginning in Exodus. We haven't even made it to Leviticus yet. We don't even have the, like, the crux of the law. We don't have the majority of the law yet. We've just had the Ten Commandments, a few rules, and now we're getting into how do you be a clergy member. And God can't help it, but when he's talking about this is what clergy should look like, bringing in the laity mm -hmm. and being like, yeah. oh, the clergy is defined by the laity. Yeah. The clergy is upheld by the laity. It is built by the laity. It is taught by the laity. Mm -hmm. So those building and teaching, I think, are our roles as lay people in the church. Now, here's the fun part. And here's the part that I wrote a very long paper on in college. <laughs> the first, okay, who's the first person in scripture that, that the Bible uses the term God poured out the Holy Spirit on them? Mm. Who's the first person? We see breathed into with Adam. Poured out on poured out on or anointed with the Holy Spirit. Mm. First person. Bezalel. <laughs> Who's the second? Aholiab. <laughs> I don't know. Mm. I, didn't, I didn't look into the thing. <laughs> Come on. Um, that not Abraham. Not Moses, not 
Israel, not, not Aaron. The first person the Holy Spirit is poured out onto is laity. Mm-hmm. So our calling is as high, mm-hmm. hot take, if not higher <laughs> than yeah. that of the clergy. Mm-hmm. I don't actually believe that. I don't know if anybody's higher than the other person. But no, yeah, that should cold, be yeah. like every descriptor that God uses to adorn honor on the clergy, he also uses on the laity. Mm-hmm. Um, so we should take pride in that. Yeah. Now here's, a, I, I told her I was going to have a question for you guys because I honestly don't know, and it's a thought I had, and she said it was okay, so here you go. Um, priesthood of the believer has always rattled me a little bit because, to one, we don't see it in Scripture. Like, that phrase is not in Scripture anywhere. That is from church history. That does not mean it's like it's the Trinity, bad. right? The right. Trinity's the not in Trinity Scripture. The Trinity's not in Scripture, but we know word. it to be true. Yeah. It, it doesn't make it less true. Okay. So I'm wondering if we're using the right word there. Mm-hmm. Um, because to me, priest denotes clergy status to mm-hmm. some, That's what you to think some of, effect. Of priest. To me. In my like an English connotation. Mm-hmm. And that might not be any other way. And anytime I see a priest in the Bible, they are part of the clergy. This is not the hot take. This is not the question. The question is, every time I see a prophet, they're not part of the clergy. Hmm. So, do you guys think there are prophets in the clergy, or is that specifically a lay role? Hmm. I think it could be either, probably. Okay. I just, I think that at this, like, I think that the gifts of the spirit, you know, one of them is mm-hmm. called prophet. Mm-hmm. But it does say in scripture that you can have more than one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think that the division of prophet, priest, and king kind of of the Old Testament could be after Christ, you know, kind of anything is possible. Okay. Like God could give prophetic abilities to someone who's in a clergy mm. position. Mm. Yeah, and Paul kind of talks about that. I'm just now thinking about that. This is why I asked the question, because I was like, I'm actually interested in this, and I know you guys are going to help me. So, like, and Paul talks about that in that, in 1 Corinthians, when he's talking about the spiritual gifts, it's like, if I speak in, in tongues, and if I teach, and if I whatever, you know, whatever, but I wish that you all would prophesy. And I, I think we don't think about that mm-hmm. enough. Yeah. That, like, Paul in Scripture is like, you all should prophesy. And then we're like, well, what does prophecy mean? Like, you know, and then we never talk about it. But that's the one thing Paul would want all of us to do. Of all the spiritual gifts, he would want us to prophesy. So what is that? Yeah, so when we're thinking about what prophesying is. I have no idea. Yeah. 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 And I think that I tend to equate prophecy with like 
future a whole lot. Um, but then when you bring up Jeremiah, like he's, he's saying repent now. Mm-hmm. And I think we would all be comfortable saying that Jesus is, amongst many other things, a prophet. Mm-hmm. Now, we wouldn't say that he's only a prophet as many other religions would, but like part of his role was prophetic. And I come back to what is Jesus's key message? It is repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And it's, that's not a future thing. That's mm-hmm. what is happening right now. I guess prophecy would be like speaking a truth of the Lord mm-hmm. in a clear way. Yeah. And that's what the role of a prophet wasn't to prepare the sacrifice. It wasn't to, whatever, um, open the front door of the temple. It wasn't, right. you know, it wasn't those things, right? The, the role of the prophet was to go amongst the people, like Laura was saying, right? And to speak the truth of God to them, right? To call them back to the Lord, mm-hmm. to remind them what God has said, right? It's almost a reminding, right? you know, at the same time as explaining the repercussions of yeah. their actions, right? And so... But who goes into the world? Lay members, right? right. Not that I'm stuck up here all day, but but in but a you're way, stuck up here all day. but in a way, right? I'm not. I'm in. I'm in this building most of my week, right? That doesn't mean I never leave. That doesn't mean I'm never evangelizing or, or whatever. But y'all spend most of your time outside of this building, right? And so in that way, mm-hmm. that calling to prophesy, which I think you're right, we don't talk about that enough. And that is, it's not that it's just a lay calling, but I think there's a specific flair to it that does apply specifically to laity in that y'all are going out into the world and the the point is that you're reflecting the light of Christ right that you're reminding the people of the truth of God right and so that is the prophetic um gift right is to is to speak truth lovingly to the world and I so I had this youth pastor in uh as a youth and um that is when you typically have a youth pastor. Um, was he the one that made you do tilapia toss? Oh, my gosh, guys. What you would do is he would get a fresh tilapia fish. Like an alive one or a dead one? No, a dead one. Okay. And you would stand up on stage. You would put the dorsal fin of the tilapia in your mouth and then you'd sling it into the crowd. And whoever slung it the farthest won a prize. <laughs> you're, you're laughing before the best part. <laughs> When the first person threw the fish into the crowd, then you would go back into the crowd, retrieve the fish, and then the next person would toss the same fish. <laughs> Y'all, Rick Henderson does much more sanitary games than this, so we appreciate it. And now it. I'm going to talk about how that pastor led me to Christ. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so he, he said um, that if, if he couldn't put his sermon notes on a post-it card, he knew it was too complicated. And I, he was a youth minister. So, but sometimes I feel like that. Like, I feel like I only have a post-it note's worth of things to say. And my post-it note comes in a couple flavors. It comes in the Wesleyan quadrilateral, which I will stick on everything in, in life. Like, put it a little bit here and a little bit here and put all the pink post-its everywhere that say Wesleyan quadrilateral. The other thing that's on my post-it notes that I put everywhere is repent witness disciple Mm -hmm. like guys we have an excellent head sheepy like (laughs) in chris (laughs) and he's given us words that we can live by that talk about the they're the answer to most christian questions like what do i do about blah 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 you repent you witness and you disciple about it what do i do about blah 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 i repent witness and disciple so what does laity look like it looks like repentance for myself, and then what we're talking about with prof- prophetism is leading others to repentance too. Evangelism, mm-hmm. like you're saying, we have way more evangelism opportunities than she does. Mm-hmm. Like I interact with virtually only non-Christians all day, every day, and that's an incredible opportunity that she doesn't get to have as a clergy member. And then discipleship. She gets to disciple Christians I get to disciple, gosh knows everybody, mm-hmm. you know, like I interact with so many people on a daily basis that don't know the Lord or that know the Lord very little that my discipleship opportunities are far greater than hers. Yeah. Yeah. So we have this unique way of living out the calling that kind of our pastor has put on us. Right. 
Mm-hmm. So, I think first off, I try to make it known who I am. So, not in a pushy way, but like the people around me know that I'm a Christian. Now, I have a very easy way of doing that. Um, pe- people ask me what my wife does. And it's real easy from there to be like, I'm a Christian. <laughs> like, because it's, it's very easy. I think the easiest way to do this is how many times a week do you get asked, how was your weekend? Did you do anything over the weekend? Well, a large part of each of our weekends is going to church. We just need to put that in our vernacular. And I think the other thing is, um, I don't know if it's the same for you, but it's, for me, I feel like when I'm at work, I have this like Christian brain that then has to pass through a like professionalism filter and then go out. Um, I'm just looking for ways to like remove that filter. Um, and so when my brain wants to say, well, thank the Lord that this happened. And instead I go, well, thank goodness this happens. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to make it a little bit more particular or, um, oh, like somebody's sick or something like that being like, oh, I, is it okay? Not saying, oh, I'll pray for you, but saying, is it okay if I pray for you? Because then it's, it's not, because we have so many in our, in our English vernacular, we have so many like Christian phrases that like anybody uses, like, thank God, or, you know, uh, I'll, I'll pray for you or whatever. That if we can flip those phrases into something that's a little different, people actually think about it. Yeah. And then past then, it's exemplifying what Christ said. And what did, what did Christ say? He, he said, the, the way they will know you is by what? Your love for one another. That's what he told us. And that's what he told us over and over mm-hmm. again. So we have to be lovers. We have to mm-hmm. love very deeply our colleagues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a good point, Donnie, because I think that's what's hard, right? Sometimes at work... Um, either you're too busy or you almost feel like paralyzed, right? But what am I really allowed to say or what? I don't want to come off as one of those Bible thumping <laughs> Christians, right? right or, or whatever that means. But yeah. Um, but I mean, like the apostles, like anytime they got persecuted for talking about the Lord, mm-hmm. they were like, ooh, badge of that honor like and they loved it and they sought it out and they wanted to get martyred and all this kind of stuff now i'm not saying go get martyred (laughs) what i am saying is that like if we get a little persecuted for saying a little bit of the wrong thing every once in a while okay right Mm yep Mm mm-hmm Yeah. And like, am I allowed to pray with patience? No. Do I pray with patience? Yes. <laughs> and if they say you can't be a doctor anymore because you prayed with patience, I'm going to wear that like a badge of honor and be like, heck yes. That means I get an extra super duper deluxe mansion in heaven. <laughs> <Stop. laughs> <I'm just> <laughs> no. You can't, um, the way it says it is you can't um, uh, op- openly discuss your personal faith with, um, with patients. And that's because of the power dynamic, right? Right. That's it because is. you're a person of power and they are in a vulnerable position, right? And so that can be exploited, mm-hmm. right? So the spirit of that role is, is one thing. But I think if we're using discernment, right. you know, we're not us- you're not using your power Right. to proselytize, to, you know, to... Convert or I won't give you this medicine. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's not what you're doing. Um, but yeah, I think 
a lot of times when Christians say, well, you know, Jesus said people were going to hate us. I'm like, well, but you're also kind of coming off like, yeah, <laughs> I don't really like you either. You know, like <laughs> there's a lot of people that say that. There's another reason that, <laughs> that they're not being the light of Christ in a loving way, right? Now, Donya, that is not something I worry about with you, right? <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Sometimes um, we take that and that's, we say, well, that gives me license to say and do whatever I think. And then we right. drop all our discernment there, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I think it's healthy to wrestle with it because that means you're not just recklessly... Yeah, to think about it. Yeah. That's yeah. Like yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think that's important. Because um, I've heard so many Christians say they've said something annoying or um, they've been Bible thumping or, you know, whatever. And then they say, well, you know, the world hates us. I'm like, well, the world doesn't like you because you're kind of being <laughs> a jerk, you know, not because you're, you're promoting scripture, right? And so doing that with some tact. Yeah, what was um, the foundation? The these three remain faith, hope, and love, yeah. but what was the greatest of them yeah. was love. Like that's got to be the start. We've got to like yeah. the best thing that somebody could ever say to me would be like, you know what? Blaze, you just love people. I'd be like, wow. All right, here we go. <laughs> like, yeah. We're doing something right here. Yeah. And lastly, I know that we have to get going soon, but um, we've danced around this a little bit, but our theology of our calling Regardless of if we're called to ministry or we're called to or called to occupational ministry or called to laity, right? Our theology of our calling and our understanding of that impacts our understanding of the church or our ecclesiology, right? Our belief about what the church is, what the church should look like, is impacted by how we understand our calling, right? And so, just like we were saying, that the negative example of the guy that shot off an angry email to us, right? His view of the church is a little warped, right? And that's what you were saying. As a pastor, I'm like, oh, I wish this guy had a, had a more robust view of what the church could look like, right? So how has your view of the church changed as you've thought through this call to laity? Because I feel like it's in the last few years that you're like, what is it you've been asking yourself? And this is why we're having this conversation tonight. You've spent a lot of time asking the Lord and other people, what does it mean to be a good lay member? What does it mean to not yeah. just passively experience church? So um, how has your view of the church changed as you've gone through that journey? I think, I think shifting that mindset of like what's, what's going wrong with the church to how can I be a better church member is important. Uh, now, there are some times where like the church is toxic and like we need to go mm-hmm. and like we need to get out. Mm-hmm. Um, just like relationships or anything like that. Um, sometimes things are bad and we need to go down. But I think that is um, rarer than most people would find. Um, I think a majority of the time we need to ask God what church we're called to and then be a part of that church. And part of that is serving the church. Um, I think it is fair to say if you have been at a church for longer than six months and you have not found a way to serve in that church, um, don't know what you're doing, but like you need to get on it. <laughs> but uh, that's one of the central callings of laity is serving. service. right? So, and especially in this church, guys, there's just like so many opportunities to serve. <laughs> and Byron would take any of us for any Yeah, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And so... It, yeah. There are plenty of ways to serve in this church. And if you went up to any pastor and were like, hey, I just need a way to serve, they'd be like, I have 72 ways you could serve. Would you please narrow that down? (laughs) Um, So there are plenty of ways, regardless of your talents, interests, or whatever, there are places for you to serve in this church. Um, And I think the single adults do serve well in this church. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think service of the church... um, and a little bit differing is ministering to the church. I think ministering to the congregants, aka being that loving and discipling voice to the other congregants is one thing, but also ministering to the ministers. Like, in what ways could I be serving 
the clergy here? You know, could I take them food? Could I do, you know, X, Y, Z? Right. Yeah. <laughs> could I do the laundry? <laughs> could I cook dinner? Um, yes, and yes. <laughs> um, and then the other thing that we have not talked about, and that is one of my like fundamental sticky notes, is we have to be praying. We have to be praying, people. And if we are not praying about our call, don't know. If we're not praying for our church and for our church staff and for the people around us in our congregation, we are doing something wrong. We've got to be a praying people. Um, and however that needs to look for you is different for everybody. I'm not somebody that can sit down and like be like, dear Jesus, I want to pray for blank for this, blank for this, blank for this, blank for this. Like I, I can't pray in English with words for that long. I'm somebody that has to like, God, I'm going to pray for these people. And I just like think of Scott Lane. And I just like think about him. And I think of like blessing flowing out of Scott Lane. And that's how I pray for him. Or I think of like bless the church. And I think of the sanctuary. And like what if it filled up with like Holy water, I guess. You know, you're just imagining different ways. So, like, prayer can look any way you want it to, any way it needs to look in order for you to do it. Um, but the Lord says do it. So do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I think cool. of that, like, Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> just do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Um, so any other thoughts or questions that have come up as we've been talking about this? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And that's good that it's part of the Christianity Explored course because this is not, this is fundamental. This is like yeah. how we should live our lives in a very fundamental way. Yeah. But a lot of people, it's like you said, I needed something different, right? I needed to shake something up, right? And a lot of people that grew up in the church, um, they attend regularly and maybe they even are like maybe they're serving in the preschool once a month or, or whatever, but it's still a passive experience for them. Right. And you had something that shook you out of having a passive experience of church. Right. And so it's, it's easy to go to church your whole life, but not think critically about your calling as a lay member, right. Not think critically about how you are called to minister to the church by way of the church and those kind of things. Right. And so, yeah, Laura, Find out, okay, I, I'm doing all of these things, yeah. but is 
that's just what you do. Yeah. You know, it's exploring different things and seeing how God made me and where he needs me yeah. in this space. But mm-hmm. sometimes that means stepping out of other spaces and taking a moment to consider talking with people, reading scripture, mm-hmm. taking an assessment of where you're at, and then stepping out into that. Because if you right. grew up in the mm-hmm. church, you grew up doing all of these things. Yeah. Yeah, because you're talking about discernment, right? I mean, that's what mm-hmm. it really boils down to is it, we, the church does not need more busy Bettys just running around, right? That doesn't mean we don't, the, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, right? But that doesn't mean we just need. We could be curling up around Yeah. Because you've always done this yeah. thing over here, and, right? And I think the way you said that was good. Like, we need to pump the brakes sometimes. We don't need to put the car in park. Yeah. Sometimes pumping the brakes is okay so long as the car doesn't stop. Mm-hmm. Like, we still have to continue more towards the Lord. Yeah. Pumping the brakes meaning what we're doing, not the direction we're going. Right. Yeah. Like, everything, pumping, you know, what I'm thinking about is, like, growing, directing closer to the Lord to mm-hmm. find out where I need to be going. Rather than just going where I, where I think mm-hmm. right. makes sense and just being like, hey, you told me to serve, so I'm just going to let you yep. know how that goes later. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. And I, I think this comes up a lot for me, especially at work, is that when people um, say I'm taking a break from this, I always my next question is, okay, for how long? Mm-hmm. Like, when, when can I start asking you again? So, like, when people are like, oh, I'm taking a break from serving in this area. It's like, okay, how long is your sabbatical going to be? You know, the ministers take sabbaticals for X amount of time. Like, I'm taking a three-month sabbatical, a three-week sabbatical, and then they come back. So I think we need to set up time frames for ourselves so that we can have hard borders because I think you and I have both seen too many people say, I'm taking a break for a while and then never come back. You know, we have to say three weeks, six months, a year. But then again, sometimes when you get into our own churches, Right, and that's what, that's part of the problem, right? A lot of the time it's the same layperson doing everything, right? And that's not, that's, that's indicative of a problem, right? That means there's a lot of people that don't understand their calling to laity, but We, so, we've done a lot of state. Obviously, I'm going to bring this back to me every time because I'm a selfish person. But we've done a lot of studies on, <laughs> yeah, we've done a lot of studies on, like, physician burnout, Physician burnout has no correlation with number of hours worked, which I think is a very interesting result. Mm-hmm. I think burnout does have correlations with certain specialties or certain types of things that you do or whatever, but sheer number of hours does not affect burnout rates. And in fact, the medical specialty with the second highest burnout rate is the specialty that has the lowest number of hours worked on average. <laughs> Rehab. <laughs> um, uh, so when we talk about burnout in the church, I think we have to take the same lens to it. It's not about amount. We know some people that are doing in ungodly amounts of work for the church, and for some reason they just like don't burn out. It's weird. It's funny that you describe that as ungodly, but yeah, I get the point. Very godly (laughs) amounts of work. Um, But we have to think about, like, how we're doing the work. Like, what the work actually is. Could could it be done a different way? Am I doing the right work for me? So for my specialty, that's the reason why burnout is so high. It's because so many people in my specialty are like, you know what? This whole being a doctor thing, like... 
I don't really think that's what I'm into. But it attracts that kind of person to start with anyway. And so that's why the burnout rate is so high. So when we apply that to church, maybe if we're getting burnt out on the service that we're doing, maybe that's not the way we should be serving the church. Maybe we should pick a different way. Not, I need to stop serving the church, but I need to serve the church in a different field or in a different way. Well, and that changes seasonally too, right? Right, and exactly. In your 60s, it's going to look different than in your 20s and you know whatever that looks like. Yeah, you don't need to be a part of the setup and breakdown crew in, at 75. Yeah, no. But, but yeah, that's, and it's good to, and part of what we're going to do on the retreat, spoiler alert, is to talk about that, mm-hmm. right? To, to have a system by which you can kind of check in with yourself and evaluate um, how things are going, right? And that's a little more of an inner look that we're doing on the retreat, but it applies to things like service too. But yeah, any other thoughts or questions that come up? Cool. Well, thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs>